0: You are listening to an SAFM podcast, 104 to 107 nationwide. Stream us live on www.safm.co.za or via the SABC Plus app. SABC News, independent and impartial. Goa, just to give you a short introduction, is an American legislation that allows sub-Saharan countries duty-free access to U.S. markets. More than 2,000 delegates are expected to attend the forum. And South Africa's non-aligned role in the Ukraine-Russia war and its solidarity with Palestine in the ongoing Israel-Hamas war has created uncertainty on whether... The U.S. will include South Africa in AGOA's extension and renewal. Let's talk about that. There's some contentious issues here, Mr. Feldman. A very good morning to you and welcome.
1: Good morning to you, Elvis. It's really a pleasure to be here, and good morning to your listeners. Now,
0: just to make sure for everybody to understand and know what we're talking about, talk to us about the purpose of AGOA and how does it benefit South Africa, not looking just at sub-Saharan countries, but South Africa
1: specifically. So, AGOA, as you mentioned, is a law. It was enacted in 2000 by the United States Congress, and it allows eligible uh, sub-Saharan African countries uh, duty-free access to the U.S. market. In particular, what I can say for South Africa is that perhaps more than any other sub-Saharan African country, uh, South Africa has taken good advantage of AGOA. Mm -hmm. Uh, The United States is South Africa's largest single uh, trading partner, uh, I mean, and just behind the EU, if you look at kind of multilateral organizations as well. Uh, so we see, and this is really a Goa facilitates two way trade. Yes. Uh, not only do you have South Africans exporting uh, really a, a, a lot of goods to the United States duty free under a goa. But then in reciprocation, you also have U.S. companies who are more than 600 U.S. companies. Uh, investing in South Africa, creating more than 220,000 jobs for South Africans. Mm -hmm. So AGOA is a foundation, uh, is a platform for uh, not only bilateral trade, but the United States trade with all of sub-Saharan Africa. Uh, But South Africa is a particularly strong example Mm -hmm. of how to take advantage uh, of agreements like AGOA And I would just say that we also see it as a platform for moving forward, uh, for more inclusive growth, to take advantage of it even further.
0: How important is the fact that the AGOA Forum is being held today at um, NASREC in Johannesburg?
1: Well, I'm the mission spokesperson at the U.S. Embassy in Pretoria. I think it's great. <laughs> it certainly <laughs> means that I didn't have to travel to any other country. Yeah. But really, I, I think it is a symbol of, of South Africa's role as the leading economy on, on the continent. Um, you know, when you talk about Africanization of supply chains, a lot of that is taking place right here, mm. so that South Africa and other African nations are not exporting raw materials to the United States and other countries. Um, but that we are partnering with South Africa to really build up those supply chains within South Africa. And often there are raw materials coming from other African nations to South Africa. and here they become finished products mm-hmm. and then are exported to the United States. And that's that's what mm-hmm. we really see as the, the future and a key to the developing economy here.
0: Two thousand delegates at the uh, at the forum today. Uh, what does that mean for the USA?
1: Well, what that means is, is it's an opportunity to collaborate and have discussions on how to really realize a GOES potential as a platform mm-hmm. uh, to make these economies more inclusive. Um, this is the first time that we're actually incorporating representatives from labor and civil society. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this isn't just about business and it isn't just about governments. It's about incorporating all members of society who play a role in this economy Uh, to make sure that this economic growth, both in the United States and in South Africa and indeed across the continent, Mm -hmm. uh, is more inclusive, more small businesses, more women. Uh, I mean, we... Youth. youth, yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, you know, the idea is not just increasing the volume of trade to the United States and the overall volume of bilateral trade, uh, but making sure that that trade Mm -hmm. benefits all South Africans.
0: From those 2,000 delegates, how many will be coming from sub-Saharan Africa?
1: Uh, that number I don't have off the Uh the top of my head. But there will be representation. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh Yeah. Uh, So, but, uh, what I can say is that you have about 200 delegates from the United States and the government from all over uh, the U.S. government Mm -hmm. uh, that represents our holistic, inclusive approach.
0: Now, we're talking about AGOA this morning, and and, and we're talking um, of AGOA as as the the benefit for sub-Saharan Africa, and we asked the question, should those countries not have more say in the AGOA deal? Your thoughts on that?
1: Well, again, so let's talk about what AGOA is. Mm -hmm. AGOA is a law that's passed by the United States Congress. So they kind of decide the, the, the parameters of it. That's mm-hmm. the legislative branch, I'm in the executive branch. Mm-hmm. Um, how that law is carried out and implemented is indeed kind of a negotiation. So mm-hmm. one of the things we are talking about and looking at is if we want to make it more inclusive, how can we make the paperwork process easier? Yeah. So if you have a small business, if you have a, a business owned by a, a woman entrepreneur uh, here in South Africa, how can you make the paperwork process easier? You know, in terms of kind of governments moving forward, how can you integrate uh, you know, businesses and agreements that are either started or operating under AGOA with the African Continental Free Trade Agreement? Mm-hmm. You know, how can you take advantage and Africanize supply chains that, that then can kind of feed products into the United States under AGOA? So we see uh, basically the Africans are taking the lead Uh, on those negotiations. That's why we're here. Uh, We are here to talk and participate in those conversations. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we want to see Africans taking the lead.
0: We're here to talk, but there were some tensions just before we could host the forum. Uh, The African Growth and Opportunity Act expires in 2025, and South Africa has been pushing for an extension um, over the last few months, following that fallout uh, with the U.S. over the Lady R incident, um, how would you describe South Africa and our relationship with the U.S. Uh, right now, as we speak?
1: I'd say the, the relationship is really stronger than it's been uh, in, in decades. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have seen uh, President Ramaphosa meet with President Biden. We've seen Secretary Blinken come out here, and even in just the past six months, you know, we have seen uh, you know more two-way travel, uh, Minister Patel going to the United States to to advocate for yes. Goa. Uh, Secretary Yellen coming here. So we're seeing a robust conversation on a range of policy issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes on those policy issues, we agree and we're working in the same direction. Sometimes we don't agree. Mm-hmm. And that's just kind of how foreign policy works. Mm-hmm. I mean, South Africa is a valued partner. Uh, and it's important to us to be hearing those four and respecting and acknowledging the validity of those foreign policy decisions. You know, and we also have our own positions uh, that we're going to advance. So what I would say is the the conversation is robust. Yes. uh, And it's constructive. uh, And I really find it and I'm involved in some of these conversations. I find it very cordial and polite. Mm. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to continuing those conversations. Yeah.
0: Now, South Africa has also come under attack for, for its non-aligned role in the Ukraine-Russia war, right, and, and for its slow solidarity with the people of Palestine in the ongoing Israel-Hamas war. Will South Africa's non-aligned position in geopolitical matters be respected or does this pose perhaps a risk to the renewal of the extension of a Agoa?
1: All right. So there are a couple things we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. One is AGOA, and and certainly under AGOA there are eligibility requirements. Now those requirements have to do with human rights, respecting human rights, uh, with democracy, uh, because we want to make sure. I mean, AGOA provides a huge benefit uh, to participating countries, mm-hmm. duty-free access to the U.S. market, which for South Africa is it's uh, it's most significant. In terms of volume uh, export market of any country in the world so having that duty-free access is a huge benefit the u.s congress has has decided that an important aspect of those benefit is countries that have that uh, are continuing to respect human rights and that are the values of democracy and respect for human life continue to be respected Mm -hmm. because it is a benefit The second part of of your question is is related to foreign policy discussions. And we we acknowledge the validity of South Africans' foreign policy positions. Um, I'm not going to get into the details of our bilateral conversations. What I can tell you is that they're robust, Uh productive, uh, and we have a frank exchange of views. And we look for ways in which we can move forward. Um, And uh, AGOA represents one of the ones where we are moving forward with gusto. Yes, uh, to make sure that it's more inclusive and benefits all South Africans.
0: We're in conversation with David S. Feldman. He is from the U.S. Embassy, is joining as the mission spokesperson here in the in studio today with us. And you can engage with us on the question that we posed to you this morning. You can let us know on the Facebook page as well as on the Twitter handle. That number to dial: 086-000-2032. Should the sub, sub, sub-Saharan countries have more say in Nagoa? That's the question we asked for you this morning. And does it assist in revitalizing South Africa's battered economy? He answered both those questions already. I'd like to get your thoughts on it on the Facebook page as well as on the Twitter handle. And let me know what's on your mind. A lot of you have been talking about sports this morning, which is great because (laughs) South Africa is the World Cup winners, and we're touring today in Johannesburg, in Pretoria, and Soweto. So you can also let us know what's on your mind in relation to that. But, Mr. Feldman. How should South Africa walk this particular tightrope in in striking a balance between its longstanding support for the people of Palestine and its important Western economic ties with the U.S. and other countries?
1: I mean, I I think South Africa is taking a holistic approach. I mean, as we say in the U.S., you can walk and chew gum at the same time. (laughs) Um, So you're going to have foreign policy decisions. You're going to have internal domestic economic challenges like unemployment or, or load shedding. And what I can say is we are here to partner with South Africa to address all those challenges. And to be frank, these are also challenges that we have in the United States. You talk about uh, development of renewable energy resources that are sustainable for the long term. We are also facing that. So we're working through the Just Energy Transition Partnership and AGOA. And you know, with the help of innovation coming from U.S. companies who are investing in South Africa to create jobs, uh, to address those challenges. You look at Africanization of supply chains. Yes, U.S. Agency for International Development is working to strengthen those supply chains within sub-Saharan Africa, within uh, South Africa. And on the continent, we frankly see South Africa as a leader uh, in that, that Africanization of the supply chains. So we, at the same time, You also have foreign policy positions, sometimes on contentious issues, sometimes on which South Africa and the United States have differing positions, and we may not agree, and we work through that. Mm -hmm. We can do all those things at the same time.
0: Right, so, and I know that this is a contentious issue, but it will be amiss of me not to ask it. We understand that the U.S. Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, will visit Israel on Friday for meetings with members of the government amid the ongoing war there. There have been international calls for a ceasefire, in the ongoing bombardment of Gaza. So will the U.S. try to persuade the Israeli Prime Minister, perhaps Benjamin Netanyahu, to exercise more restraint in bombing Gaza to decrease the civilian casualties that we've seen?
1: So, one, I'm not going to get ahead of uh, Secretary Blinken. Um, What I can say is uh, he's been talking about this over the past couple of days. Uh, We absolutely are advancing the importance of protecting civilian lives, all civilian lives in this conflict. Uh we, we also uh, will certainly say that Israel, like any country in the world, has a, a right to defend itself. Mm-hmm. And just like we were talking before, both of those things are important, yep. and we have to be able to deal with all of them at the same time. It is vitally important, and the Secretary Blinken has said this, that civilians in Gaza have access to food, to medical care, uh, and access to a safe environment. And we are working to achieve that. At the same time, we are working uh, to make sure that there there is peace and that Israel has a right to defend itself. Mm -hmm. We will advance all those issues at the same time. That is not easy. Uh, We welcome South Africa's participation in that effort uh, to achieve peace in that area. Uh, And we will continue working to ensure the safety of civilians in Gaza.
0: Well, you can let me know on the Facebook page as well as on the Twitter handle, and you can call us in studio, like Hassan Logan has done. A very good morning to you, Jumbo Africa Hassan.
2: Uh, good morning, Elvis, uh, and thank you for having your guest there waking us up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, America has presented AGOA and various of its other interventions, largely as an intervention or, if you like, a democratizing mission. So let's take the one point where the president of the U.S., Uh, basically goes and says that he saw photos of beheadings of uh, kids, et cetera, et cetera, and it's on your White House page, which I visit regularly just to keep myself abreast. Mm -hmm. But when when he goes back and gets confronted that none of this has happened, I find it very difficult to find it on your website. You know, here as media activists, we know that the original... Error has to be corrected in the same size and shape, right, and form and prominence. But what do you do to find back that the president walked back his assertions? One has to go to CNN, Daily Mirror in the U.K., elsewhere, but not on the website of the, of, of, uh, of the White House. You know, so these are examples of it. So when you keep saying that Israel has the right to defend itself and to be an even-handed world player, you must say, All nations have the right to resist injustice, as those who fought the Nazi Holocaust, the partisans, the Jewish activists. This right is there for everyone who lives under occupation. Mm -hmm. And when you say that that, uh, Israel has the right to do this, it's the occupying power. There are certain obligations that are due to an occupying power. And this is what we expect of the world's leaders, to be even-handed and to make sure that they stand for justice.
0: Thank you so much for your call, Hassan. You can keep them coming. You can do so on the Facebook page as well as on the Twitter handle. And then, of course, Joe Biden also announced that in a letter to Congress, he's intention to remove Uganda, Gabon, Niger, and Central African Republic. Why are those countries on that particular list and um, and, and, and on the chopping block uh, for Goa?
1: Well, I mean, the, AGOA, as we mentioned before, is, uh, it offers duty-free access to the United States. Mm-hmm. So that, that is a significant benefit uh, for, for any country. Uh, and as a result, Congress has stipulated that there are eligibility requirements, meaning uh, respect for human rights, uh, respect for democracy. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not the spokesperson yes. related to those countries, yeah. so I'm not going to get into the, mm-hmm. the exact details. Mm-hmm. Uh, but President Biden did spell out very clearly in his letter uh, what the concerns were mm-hmm. uh, about those countries
0: just in conclusion. I want to go back to Hassan's point uh, Can he find it in the w- on the website? Where does he find those details that he's looking for?
1: Well uh, for one? I applaud I applaud the uh, listeners. I mean this is a classic way that you can combat disinformation mm-hmm. Is he's going to multiple news sources including us government sources? Uh, I also think uh, he really laid out some interesting policy points and mm-hmm. how complicated these policy issues I- are so um, I don't have the website you know, yeah. in my head at the moment, but mm-hmm. I think he's doing the right thing in terms of triangulating the information, uh, and I think this is why it's a pleasure to work in South Africa because you have a media-savvy uh, population uh, mm-hmm. that is continually – uh, challenging all the different resources yes. and trying to get a holistic picture.
0: Mr. Feldman. I thank you so much for joining us here in studio this morning.
1: All right. It's a pleasure. I hope to see you guys at the forum.
0: I must tell you, you are second guest for the year because COVID has prevented us from bringing people into studio. But thank you so much for joining us. That is David S. Feldman, a mission spokesperson at the U.S. Embassy in Pretoria. You can find SAFM Current Affairs on 104 to 107 nationwide.